We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stop. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? I'm doing great. Thanks, Patrick. If this episode sounds different, it's because you and I are in the same room. Woohoo! <laughs> we did this last month. Uh, we experimented with actually getting back together, uh, and that uh, obviously worked well. We, that was when we had Mark in the post in the house. COVID feel yes. goods. Yes, and so uh, we're going to start getting back in person, which I'm excited about. Um, though I think that this might be the last time we're in this office because you're moving. We're moving. So we're going to record just to just because why not tell people we, we record a couple episodes at a time. So the next couple of weeks we'll still be here, but then sometime next month when we record, we'll have a new, we'll have some new digs. All the books in the background for people that watch or might not be there. Yeah, no, it'd really, it'd be really forgot a replicate shocking off for a lot of people. All right. So uh, excited about that. And I, I visited the new comp train offices and they're awesome. So congrats uh, and uh, kudos to you guys over there this week. We're going to go to our two minute drill. Two minute drill is when I go through Instagram, uh, my DMs and I collect all of the really good questions that listeners have. I put them together and we tend to get about 10 uh, to 12 done every episode. Your challenge is to answer them within two minutes. Sometimes that means you talk real fast and sometimes huh. it means we, we abandon two minutes uh, entirely. So we'll see, we'll see. Which and sometimes it, sometimes it is just a five second answer. That's so true. it's, yeah, we'll see what happens with all this right. one. All right, let's go. First question. I'm a recently separated veteran from the Navy on my way out. I had every intention of, of coaching CrossFit full time. After going through a long and consuming depression, I left to travel the country for about six months. I've moved back and now I find myself afraid to get back into coaching. I have the positive feedback from the affiliate owners, members, and friends. I just lack the ability to give myself permission to be a coach when I, when I myself may not be as fit or capable as I was before I left. I have taken a full-time job, but my schedule still allows me to coach during the week if I should choose. How would you advise someone to lead themselves out of that hole of self-doubt? Okay, so specifically for this person, when they say I lack the, I'm not as fit or capable as I once was, how do you, do you read that as like truly like fitness and capabilities or is that like as fit to be a coach? I think the form, I think the former, I think it's like, uh, probably very fit while he was in the Navy, got out and is no longer as fit as he was. That's, that was my take. Okay. Um, so let's go with that one. Yeah. Uh, in the two minute drill, this, this could be a whole episode in itself, but a two minute drill, here's the really short answer. You don't need to be fit to be a coach mm -hmm. dot, dot, dot. Like you have to have some sort of level of, um, trustworthiness. And if you're going to tell people to do the hard things, to say yes to the salads and no to the cookies, to be consistent with your training, you're not yourself, that's hypocritical. So you need to be able to live the lifestyle, but you don't need to be able to outperform your athletes. I can't outperform any of the athletes I train. So, and just the same token, like Phil Jackson couldn't beat Michael Jordan in a one-on-one -on -one basketball competition. You need to be the coach. You need to be the ones that tell people things that maybe they don't want to hear. You need to be the one that is the um, the shoulder for them to lean on in the hard times. You need to be the one that is the accountability buddy and the one that improves their performance. You don't need to be the one able to perform. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit differentiation in terms of the understanding the roles of the coach versus being the performer or the athlete. Um, 
But in terms of getting out of the, that's where I'm going to maybe like leave it at this one because the other side of getting out of self-doubt is probably a much bigger discussion. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay, cool. Next question. We all love the idea of being super productive and also living healthy lives, but I'd like to know what both of your least productive and unhealthiest guilty pleasures are. So he said both of you guys. So yeah. why don't you, why don't you start? I'm on the hook for this. Yeah, let's go. Um, least productive and most unhealthy. That sounds like a fun day. Um, I think that I, I, I've talked about before this, this concept of like the first hour and the last hour of the day. Um, and I still really believe it. Uh, and just shorthand is just, those are the most, uh, in my mind, the most opportunity we have to move ourselves forward for various reasons, but mostly because nobody cares about what you do in the first hour of your day and the last hour of your day. That said, I would say that the last hour of the day is still really hard for me to make a lot out of it. Um, I, I tend to work out at night, so that's, you know, 45 minutes. And then if I'm really good, I can spend like 30 minutes reading mm. or, if I'm really not, it's, it's 30 minutes of Netflix and the unhealthy part, which is that's, we can debate the, the unhealthiness of Netflix, but the guilty pleasure part of it is I usually do that with a bowl of cereal. Oh, nice. And that tends to be my like least productive and guiltiest pleasure all, all in a 30 minute chunk. You started off with such like holier than thou. And <laughs> I love that you went to Netflix and cereal. Netflix and you cereal. finished it well. Yeah. Um, Okay, so mine probably has to do with so my guilty pleasures food wise, like are I love barbecue chicken pizza, I mm. love ribs, yep. I love um, granola. Like a, a parfait to me is like the best thing ever. Like <laughs> granola. Yep. When I travel, that's what like when I travel. That's like my quote breakfast. Mm-hmm. But I usually don't eat breakfast when I travel. It's yogurt, granola, berries, and whatever else. But if I was to say what is the um, guiltiest, least productive thing that I do on a regular basis, um, it would be Instagram. Mm. I'm, I'm. Uh, we talk about the, de- the how devastating it is how bad it is, how um, addictive it is, and yeah, like case one hundred and one right here. Like I, it, it's got me, and it. Yeah. If I find myself. Um, not being mindful of my time. That's usually what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. I concur with that. All right. Next question. I've got two daughters, 12 and 19. My youngest has anorexia and was in the hospital for a month between December and January of this year. This has obviously rocked my family, my family's world and changed our lives. Every bit of food is to be, has to be prompted and encouraged. She has rage and fear, which she cannot control. I'm struggling to see how this situation is something good that I can be thankful for and grow from. I respect everything you and Ben do and strive every day to be uh, more calm and think longer term, but I struggle. Just curious on your thoughts on shifting my perspective while my family is in this very difficult place. Wow. Well, uh, I'm. you can't. Mm. You uh, So this is the, this is what's hard. And this, so... This is what's hard with like the positive thinking, try to find perspective. There's going to be a silver lining. There's an upside to this. When you're in it, you can't. And you're not supposed to. If you're a prisoner of war being tortured, it's it's really hard to find the purpose in that. You know, if you if you read about Viktor Frankl's stuff, like he's finding it. And um 
But man, is that hard. Like, man, is that, if I was in that situation, I would probably be right there with this guy thinking the same exact things. Like, what's the, what's the upside of having a sick child? Yep. So I can only share with you, because I haven't been in that situation, but I can share with you, like, what the way that Cole, one of my athletes mm. that I'm very close with, his perspective on it. His is, if this was to happen to somebody, and it's going to, I'm glad this is happening to me. So Cole had a very, very sick child on the verge of death for um, months and months, literally um, tubes incubated. Like, um, And his perspective through the whole thing was, um, we can handle this. Mm-hmm. And this is going to happen to somebody. I'm glad it's happening to me. That's one perspective. The other is the Viktor Frankl's perspective, which is on the other side of this, I will have a greater knowledge. I will have a greater understanding. I will have a greater appreciation. I will have a greater perspective of life in general, and I will have um, be able to navigate life in a more meaningful way. Mm-hmm. The other way is to think about like how much you'll be able to just re- relate to other people that you have a superpower, essentially, that other people don't have, which is the ability to understand people that are going through really difficult times like this. So it's not to make it lighter or make it positive in the moment because mm-hmm. I would never ask anyone to, I wouldn't want to do that. Right. Like you're experiencing real hardship. This is a real thing. It's reality. It's not, this is why realist is above the positive thinker. Mm-hmm. If you try to find, turn this into a positive, mm-hmm. you're, you're, it's going to be fake. Right. It's not, it's a reality. This is hard. This is a, um, a massive struggle. Don't try to diminish either of those. Don't make it easy and don't pretend it's not a struggle. They are. But in the midst of that, you can find that there are upsides to hardship and to struggle. You're a more formidable human being. You can relate to more people. There is um, your relationship with your wife could become stronger because of this. It's the people that have had childhood traumas themselves and say, they say, if you go back in time, what would you do? And they don't take away the childhood trauma Mm. because I wouldn't be who I am today without that. And I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for who I am today. So on the other side of this, there can be upside. It's the same type of thing with, um, parents who lose a child, like worst thing ever. Like I can't imagine it, but while you can't spin it positive there um there can be greater levels of understanding greater levels of compassion greater levels of empathy greater levels of connection greater levels of your place in this universe greater places of what does the universe mean in terms of not just me as this being walking through this but the connection to a greater something else Mm -hmm. That we that you can't get without a hardship like that. Yeah, I think all that's spot on. The only other thing I would add to it, or that I would, I would, you know, again as as best we can empathize with it, is to look for and to celebrate as many tiny victories as humanly possible, because that's I think that's how you get through something like that 
that you can't, you're not going to get through it today, right? It's not, it's not over yet, mm -hmm. <laughs> but if you can get one victory and then you can really like savor that and sink your teeth into it and really celebrate it and talk about it. I think that's how you, I think that's how we generally, when we're going through something difficult and that difficulty doesn't have a clear or, or, uh, or, um, yeah, like a clear end date. Like it's like, it's a hard workout. Well, we know the hard, the workout's going to end soon. So like mm -hmm. it's right. But if it's like, oh, this is just going to be hard for a while. And I don't know when that's going to end. I think the only way to get through that is to start looking for reasons to celebrate it, even if it's just tiny, even if it's just momentary. Yeah. That's okay. a hard part about that. Like the, the not knowing when it ends is probably the hardest thing. hundred percent. The human beings crave certainty. Yeah. We've talked about this before, like a human being would rather wait for eight minutes for a train that um, knowing it's showing up in eight minutes, than wait two minutes for a train, but you don't know when it's coming. Mm -hmm. That two minutes is more agonizing yeah. than the eight, 10 or 20 minutes knowing when it's coming. Yeah. We love the certainty and not knowing when this is going to end is the hardest part of that whole deal. Yeah. All right. So we feel for you and hopefully uh, it all works out. Next question. I've heard Ben mention that if money was no object, he'd choose body work over a personal chef. We did an episode about that hmm. years ago. But what type of body work, body work would he choose? What is best for general recovery and mobility? There's lots of practices out there and it's hard to know which to pick. I would... Uh, super specific, TB12. Mm. Right, we have a... Uh, we're lucky enough. So Tom Brady's... Um, brand yep. part of his brand is he has these centers um, called tb12 centers and they have body work coaches that are basically a cross between um deep tissue massage art um they call it pliability um cairo without the snap and crack mm. um but it's um it's insane mm. like we have a body work coach in our gym and it's like voodoo magic. <laughs> it's awesome. So uh, is it, I, is it what it is, is? So it's like, it's basically, it's like a deep, deep <laughs> tissue massage, but they'll find that spot. Um, that's tough. And then they'll work it through a full range of motion quickly mm -hmm. contracting, relaxing the muscle. Mm -hmm. And when you get done, it's, um, it's a game changer. It mm. really does, uh, move the needle. Interesting. And so is it something that they've like taken three or four different schools and, put it into this new kind of package or yeah. is it something that like, okay, well there's no TB12 near me, but I can get that somewhere else. Yeah. So it's basically like I, if I was, if you can't get TB12 around you, I would search for, um, it's like a, a combination of like Thai massage, mm -hmm. which is where they like walk on your back type thing. Soup. Um, so like a really deep tissue sports massage, um, ART. So, um, active release technique, which is used by chiropractors, mm -hmm. Um, and like, uh, a physical therapy. Yeah. It's kind of a combination of all those. Interesting. Okay, cool. All right. Next question. Historically in physical education, we test the five components of fitness, which are as follows cardiovascular endurance, uh, with a pacer test, like a beep test, muscular strength, which is a push up test until failure, muscular endurance, which is a sit up test until failure, flexibility with a sit and reach test and body composition with uh, BMI. My question is, is there a better test for each of these components of fitness? Should we be testing more, more components of fitness, including the skills? And how does that, how does age play a factor? 
It's a big okay, question. So three questions. Yeah. Big. Okay. Uh, so give me the first question. Yeah. Question is better test for each one of these okay. components. Of so each of those tests. So yep. give me the first one. Is cardiovascular endurance. Yeah. I think that's a good, I think the beep test beep is test. awesome. Okay. Yeah. So beep test, one mile test. Uh, but for this environment, you can get done really quickly. Uh, yeah. The beep test is awesome. Okay. Cool. Um, muscular strength, which they do as a push-up test until failure. Terrible test. Terrible? It's not okay. testing muscular strength at all. It's okay. testing muscular endurance known as stamina. Mm. So that's what they're testing there. Um, push-up has nothing, very little to do with strength. Mm -hmm. Much better test would be for a total body, uh, would be like a one rep max thruster. Mm -hmm. Like lower body, upper body, through the midline. And it, Strength is the ability to move maximal external loads. Yeah. So you moving your body weight is relative strength. Yeah. So that's already yep. we're missing it. Yep. And then for reps, it's repetition, it's stamina, endurance, it's not strength. Mm. So it's a miss. Uh, and this kind of goes to the last question here, which is, you know, age. But if this was, you know, which I'm assuming if this phys physical education, five components, at least as I remember them, this is like, these are kids in gym yep. class to a large degree. Yep. Is there a, do they pick push-ups because look, I can't go get everybody to do a thruster now. So I, this, this is the closest thing we can get to strength. Or, and yeah, so if that's the case, is there something that you could do with an external object that you yeah. would think that any kid could do and, and use it as a test? Yeah, let's have, um, let's have a, a, every gym class could have this and they could do it. Um, I would think is let's get a series of weighted balls mm -hmm. from um, go up every 20 pounds from 20, 40, 60, 80, all the way up to uh, 300 pounds. And you got to put the ball over your shoulder. Hmm. Got it. Total body strength. Okay. Moving, so ex moving, moving external, external load loads. Is the key. Yes. Got it. Um, and you spoke to this a little Maximal bit. Maximal external loads. Yep. Not over and over and over again. Right. That makes sense. Muscular endurance with a sit-up test. Uh, you kind of hinted at it. Yeah. So they're getting at it. It's just like, but it's not really a very good sit-ups is not just not a good test mm -hmm. um uh what would be better for because what was the category again stamina uh, muscular endurance muscular endurance stamina same thing um better push-ups mm -hmm. <laughs> yep um uh, um a push-up and an air squat test mm -hmm. would actually be better but what maybe even better than that would be something like uh um um uh, let's leave it at let's leave it at a push up, a pull up, uh, push up, pull up, squat type thing. Sit ups isn't terrible, um, but the idea behind that is repetitive. Yep. So something like a Cindy or like in that sort. Yeah, of, but you kind of like but that. Yes, but you don't want to turn to work capacity. Right. You don't want to turn metabolic. Right. That's why a push up test actually is pretty good. The limitation of a push up test is you're just using upper body pushing and a little bit of core stamina. Um, you know, honestly, make uh, sit-ups not terrible, but they're in the category. Mm -hmm. Would you do something like you know, just in that scenario you laid out with the with the medicine balls, right? Would you do like okay, pick the twenty and as many shoulders? Yeah, the problem is it, it's going to turn really metabolic, metabolic so it's going to be a instead of a test of um, instead of a test of muscular endurance, it's going to turn true. into a test of um, cardiovascular respiratory yep. capacity. Um, which is to answer the second question. Yes. Is there better tests? Yes, there are. Okay. But for these categories, <clears throat> uh, flexibility with the sit and reach test. Okay. But you're just testing hamstrings and low back. Yep. Um, I think that the best one would be, um, the, the capability of an overhead squat. Yep. So with an empty barbell, um, how close can you get your hands while you get yourself mm -hmm. below parallel? Yep. So hands out and most people, almost anyone can do it with their hands or PVC pipe. Yep. 
um, but you can't touch a wall in front of you type thing. So um, let's use the empty barbell though. If you have your hands collar to collar, most people can get themselves pretty darn close to parallel. Mm -hmm. As the hands come in, everyone knows what happens. The barbell starts to fall forward and you can't sustain it. So it's a phenomenal test of the key movements and the better functional movement patterns like sit and reach like how many times do you sit on the ground with your legs completely straight and try to reach for something over your toes i i can't remember any time i've <laughs> yeah. done that so people go oh no that's the equivalent of reaching down and picking something off the ground um like you dropped your pencil okay but even that's like it's not you're gonna bend your knees to yeah. that that's not a functional <laughs> movement pattern we yeah. don't do that yeah a better functional movement pattern is a squat and the full range of motion of the shoulder. So you are getting your ankles. You have any one of these things missing and you're going to get dinged on it. Your ankles, your hips, and your shoulders, which are the three big kind of like ball and sockety joints that the joint doesn't, it's not a hinge like the elbow. <laughs> yep. um, even the wrist is a little bit that and it involves the wrist even. So what we really want to test is the ones that move in all the directions, ankles, hips, and uh, shoulders and wrists, not so much knees, um, low back, um, or elbows. Yeah. Those aren't the, the flexible. Is ones. flexibility itself uh, worth testing? You know, in yes, it is. Five? Okay. Yes, so you would is. still keep that. You would yep. just change the test. Yep. Got it. Okay. Last one is body composition with a BMI. Uh, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. BMI. Um, if somebody is uh, sedentary, it matters because it's all BMI is, is your height to weight ratio. So if you're sedentary, it's basically what it's saying is this is how fat you are. Yeah. But if you have muscle, it's going to equate muscle. It's going to count muscle as fat. Mm -hmm. So if you're um, Chandler Smith, mm -hmm. who's uh, five foot eight and 200 pounds of chiseled muscle, his BMI is going to show that he's grossly obese <laughs> right. he doesn't have any fat on him right. at all i mean his, right. his skin is like paper thin it's so he's so lean so a much better one would be a a body fat test if we're trying to test body comp um to get to the last one though it's not a good test Got it. we don't need it um okay so we spent a lot of time in there the only one that maybe is worth kind of hitting on is is the age does that play a factor in these what we've talked about would you is that Nope, it just, not in terms of the test, but in yep. terms of the results it would. So obviously if you're 22, right. Right. you should be able to do more push-ups, lift more weight, run faster than you could if you were 82. Got it. Okay. What should, uh, this is the next question. What should a deload week look like? Okay, so there's probably this is, a, this is probably a better question than people would think it is, mm. just because there's a deload means different things to different people. So I think in the CrossFit space, when people hear deload, they think of like um, lighter loads, lighter intensity, lighter volumes. It's a chance to recover. Um, but in Chinese weightlifting, that's the week that they go for their PRs. Mm, interesting. So it's totally, it's just, it, it matters in terms of like what we're talking about when we say a deload week. They bring down the movement, um, the number of movements they do the volume, the reps, but the intensity goes up. This is where they try to hit some of their heavier weights. They're literally deloading the amounts, but they're getting higher peaks in terms of intensity. So in the CrossFit space, I wouldn't want to necessarily do that because our whole thing is kind of predicated on intensity. If we bring the intensity up, man, we're going to get smashed. Yeah. So I'll answer this uh The way I think it's the question was intended, which is how do I 
um, bring down my overall workload um, in a week. Mm-hmm. And that would be for a CrossFit competitor. Um, it would be a matter of bringing all three of those variables down. Mm-hmm. It is intensity, volume, um, and uh, load. Mm-hmm. So you're going to do less reps, less weights with less intensity. Mm-hmm. And um, that is different than a recovery week. Mm. Because a recovery week is what we do. Just like you taper for an event, you also recover after an event. Recovery can take a few different shapes as well. But for most athletes, um, it's next to zero. Mm -hmm. They do nothing. So the deload could be some combination of that. Some athletes do better with complete time away, complete time away, where they spend three days doing nothing during a deload week. So we've done this as well for some deloads. Um, so mo- if they take one day off on a Thursday and a Sunday, maybe you put a back-to-back recovery day, mm-hmm. back-to-back, sorry, like nothing day, and that's the deload, and the rest of the week stays the same. The honest answer is that there's so many different permutations and variables and mm-hmm. ways to do it that are specific to the athlete. It's kind of like asking, what's the appropriate training week look like? Right. I can't, <laughs> yeah, I just can't do that on a macro scale. I can just give some examples. And um, for for folks who would consider a deload, is it something that you would only kind of prescribe in whatever form you would prescribe it for an athlete who's kind of mm, in that sure. sort of yeah. mentality and sort of training versus, you know, Sally over at the gym, she's like, do I need to do a deload week? Is that, does she need to? when your athletes do, or is it like everybody could use a deload kind type week? That's an awesome question. Um, with all life's normal variables holding constant, you should not need a deload week as a um, everyday complete performance type athlete. Mm-hmm. As an elite athlete, you would want to do that because you're doing these kind of undulating, um, trying to increase the workloads for a set time that you're going to peak. Um, but that's a great question. I would not prescribe deload weeks for normal people unless those variables get out of whack, get out of skew. And then it's not scheduled. You just have to recognize that it's time. Got it. You have a young baby and all of a sudden you don't sleep for four nights in a row. Dude, like take the next day off the gym. Like that's okay. Got it. Cool. Next question. I struggle to get my 11 year old to be self-motivated to work out push-ups, sit-ups, body, uh, body weights, uh, squats, etc. Both my wife and I are active. My wife does Peloton and runs, and I strength train and do a bunch of Metcons every week. What's the question? I struggle to get my 11-year-old self-motivated. I, I guess the question is, okay. how do, how I, do get I get my, my 11-year-old yeah, okay. self-motivated to work out? Um, well, why is this person Why is the person asking this not doing Peloton with his wife? Mm-hmm. Why is she not doing the Metcons with him? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Why, why are they, why is he, why are they not doing that? Probably because they don't want to. Yeah, right. <laughs> they don't want to. So you're trying to get somebody to do something that they don't want to do. Find yep. things that they want to do. Yep. So is that playing <laughs> ultimate Frisbee? And that's your exercise. Is that doing some, is that hiking in the woods? Is that building um, a, a tree house in the backyard? Is that um, riding bikes? Is that uh, swimming out to... Um, go to the big raft. Is that what is the thing that the you, what you're doing is you're trying to put a round peg in a square hole, and you're mm-hmm. always going to struggle, yeah. always until you can kind of get the person just active in general, doing the things that they want to do. Mm-hmm. Do they like playing soccer? Join a soccer team, like, 
And then if they like soccer, then okay, let's do a couple extra sprints afterwards. And if they mm-hmm. like that, okay, maybe we throw in a couple bur- and like you have to kind of like uh you don't just go from zero to a, a thousand. You don't just go from like I'm doing nothing to now we're gonna do push-ups every night, son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen that way. You gotta get them excited about it. And the way you get them excited about it is doing things that they're excited about. Love that. Cool. Next question. I just opened my affiliate. I took over an old affiliate in January and rebranded. I'm only 22 and still a senior in college. I'm stoked to have this opportunity, but it has been really hard to uh, balance uh, taking care of myself, school, running the business and fulfilling my other coaching roles. I volunteer coach high school softball, soccer, and will probably be the head coach in the next couple of years. My question would be, what are your main pieces of advice to make sure that I take care of myself while making sure everything needs that needs to get done gets done? I know if I don't take care of myself, I won't be able to lead others in the way I want to, but it has been difficult trying to balance how to do so. He also writes really long questions. Yes, I think it's a she. Or she asks um, really long questions. And she's a stud. So. Yeah, but go get her. Yeah. Um, but go get her. Um, you maybe, have to, maybe gone and got too much. You have to learn to say no to some things. Yeah. Like you cannot... Be a full-time student. Be a CrossFit coach. Run a CrossFit affiliate. Also be a full-time softball coach. Mm -hmm. And also take care of yourself and every. You got too much on your plate. Like, I understand you want to do all these things. All these things are amazing. Like, I I would say, no, I can't choose for you which ones are yeses and nos. But you can't do it all and take care of yourself the way that you want to and the way that you have the the awareness that you should. Mm -hmm. And you're right. You have to put on, in case of emergency and the air bags fall from the ceiling in the plane, you have to put the airbag over yourself before you put over somebody else. Mm -hmm. You have to take care of yourself first. You want to take care of other people. You can't fill from an empty cup. The way you're riding, your cup is spilling out all over the place. And you have this awareness that you realize you're not going to be able to take care of yourself. The short answer is you have to figure out and prioritize and say no to things. Then from there, you have to, one of those things has to go. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one it is, <laughs> but one of those things has to go. You're not going to be able to do all those things. Then from there, it's creating really hard boundaries. When I, it's my time to work out, I am working out. I'm not running the business. I'm not um, trying to think about my schoolwork. I'm not trying to do... These other projects don't come over and overload it. Mm-hmm. It's I am working out. When I'm at home, I am building relationships at home. When I am working on the business, I am not thinking about school. It's yeah. like you have to go single task, single task completely. And this took me an incredibly long time to figure out. And it's the life hack. It's the it's so the life hack is really, really, really strong boundaries. Um, when I talk to new aspiring entrepreneurs, this is the thing I recommend. And this is the thing I talk about with my team the next when I, mm-hmm. when I talk to them. We want a healthy, calm work environment. The way you do that is by when you go home, you should not open your computer. I know you're so passionate about your job. I know you want to get the work done. You should not open your computer when you go home or on the weekends. Like you need to, you're busting your ass when you're here. You should not be doing that for the sustainable, because we've had people burn out Mm -hmm. and it's, I've seen it happen where these, they, they love what they're doing. They're so passionate and eight years later, (laughs) they're gone. Yeah. They're gone. And that's a terrible place to be. So the really hard boundaries 
and they're hard to put in because you're passionate Mm -hmm. and it's harder to do things that like for me, it was when I had a young family and I, Mm -hmm. I had the business first and my business was my jam, my thing in my 24 seven. And when the young family came in, I wanted to, when I was with my family, I wanted to be with the business. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a hard, it's a, yeah. It took me a long time to figure it out. Yeah. We should have a conversation with that. Cause that's that I totally agree. I think the one, the one thing uh, that I would maybe add to the top of that and just kind of concurring with what you're saying and just maybe add a little bit of tactic to it, which is something that the writer Cal Newport calls um, fixed schedule productivity. The idea being look at your calendar and say, okay, everything that I've got on my plate, every obligation, every, uh, every, you know, I've got classes I've, both in the gym. I've got, where does that live on your calendar? you have a fixed amount of time every single day. And so if you sit down and you say, okay, well, I've got, I mean, I got three classes and I've got to study at least an hour every week for each one of those. Okay. That's six hours. When does that happen? Okay, cool. What's next? Okay. I coach two classes at the gym and I have the saw. Okay, cool. What's next. And what happens is you quickly realize that you said yes to literally more than you can do. It's not, I get it. I've been there, but until you actually sit down and say, oh, what have I said yes to? Oh, that's more than I can physically do. That's when it starts. That's when you can start to actually make tactical decisions about, okay, well, if I have to get rid of one of these, what is that going to look like? And what does that open up for my calendar? Love that. So what I've, what I've done with that is exactly that. And there's, um, try to create buffers in between and a few, uh, white spaces with nothing. And then when somebody wants to take on a meeting or something else pops up, I know whether I, if I say yes, even if they say, okay, I was supposed to study at that time, but I don't just delete that study and put in new meeting. Mm-hmm. I have to be able to move the study yep. into a white space. Right. And if I can't move into white space, now the answer is no. Yep. And it truly allows you to figure out how much yep. you can't overfill the cup. Exactly. You start to spill. Yep. It's so easy to say yes. And then it's it. And then, but because, because yes, sure. I don't yeah. Sure. Why not? That sounds awesome. And then it's like, well, where and when and how? I love it. What you said, and then, I have and three then, classes a day yeah. and I need to study that. Yeah. That's uh, And then put your workouts in. Like what's one thing that right. entrepreneurs suck at is like, okay, you take care of yourself. That's five hours a week, right? Whatever, right. six hours, three hours. Okay, now what? Keep going, right? And, and oh, you want to be home at a certain time. You want to, you want to, you know, put your kids down. Okay, well, that means six right. o'clock on is off, right? And right. so you start to build backwards from possible. And then you've got to start making hard decisions about, well, what's got to go if... Cause I can't come up with more hours. So, um, okay, cool. Um, uh, but kudos to you. And, and at 22, now's the time to make those kinds of mistakes. I would say yeah. <laughs> rather have you be doing what you're doing the yeah. opposite, have experiences. So hundred yeah. percent. Okay. Next question in our program, we have a monthly challenge and this month's was 165 pound thrusters for time with five strict burpees at the top of every minute. I found myself getting super gassed, uh, like eight or nine minutes in, and it took me about 19 minutes or so to complete the scores overall ranged from about seven to eight minutes to 25 to 30 minutes. What is the best way for me to train for conditioning workouts like this? I can run four miles in under 30 minutes. So it's not like I'm out of shape. Would you say that just adding more Metcon workouts, uh, every week or a few times a week, uh, is how I could work on that. That is a gnarly test. Yeah. There's a, there's a, uh, it's, like, uh, it's a tape off of Calzu. 
Okay, there's also an um, so Air Force, Air, wasn't, isn't uh, like Air Force? So Air Force was a bunch of different movements and every five minutes, okay. every minute, doing on the minute you did something. Being miserable. Yeah, that. that's yeah. the same format. Same it's like you try to outrun it. Yeah. Kalsu <laughs> is 100 thrusters at 135. Okay. Every minute on the minute you do five burpees. Yep. Okay. For most human beings, there are times that you don't get, you don't do anything. There's minutes where it's yeah. just like <laughs> nothing right. happens. That's the normal the, human being. Yeah. <laughs> Way over-programmed for most human yeah. beings. This is a, a takeoff of the same test, and it's gnarly. Um, okay, so the question is, again, it's how do you, how do we, how do you train for an, yeah. a, a workout like that so that you can kind of- And if one of the suggestions was, do I just do more metcons? Yeah, just more metcons. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that to me would be the easy answer. You increasing your running capacity is just going to be increasing your running capacity at a certain point. And then you have to start to get into this different type of modality, which is- um, this high intensity exercise work capacity world, which is very different when you're exerting against an external load versus just running and using this monostructural environment mm -hmm. of cardiovascular um, capacity or aerobic capacity. So the easy answer is, yeah, more Metcons. Do more Metcons with box jumps and with rowing and with assault bike and with wall balls and with uh, pull-ups and all that stuff. If... You want to sport specifically if you want to gain, like truly train mm -hmm. for this event, win this event. Yeah, event. right. Exactly. Next time it comes up in your gym, you want to win this thing. Then what you do is you break this thing down into its component parts and try to overload it through intervals. Mm -hmm. So the way you do it is essentially um, this person, it took this person 16 minutes or so. Is that what I said? Uh, eight to nine minutes. Eight to nine minutes. Oh, no, sorry, 19 hard. minutes. 19, 19 minutes, minutes is what he Okay, finished. so 20 minutes. Yep. So what you want to do is you want to do more than 20 minutes. So what you're going to do is do um, uh, six four minute sections. That's mm -hmm. 24 minutes with a four minute break in between. Mm -hmm. Now, what you've done is you've gotten your body used to doing more than mm. this work, yep. but you're able to do this work even faster than you were before. The faster isn't the key though. So what you could do is actually set up your, you could set up your target time. So this person says, now I want to be able to do this in 12 minutes. Okay. Do this in 12 minutes. Let's do 10 because 10 is really easy. Mm -hmm. 10, 100 means that you got to get 10 thrusters in every minute. Yep. Okay. So now we know how to do this. 10 thrusters every minute. So we're going to find our sustainable pace. We're going to hold 10 thrusters every minute for three minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Take a break for three, four, five minutes and do it again for three, four, five. And then take a big break and then do it again until you've gotten up to 100, 120, 150 reps. Now what you've done is you built in the stamina and the capacity and the ability to recover instead of just doing this workout, which would get you this terrible, terrible, terrible place at minute eight, like you did, <laughs> yep. and you're in survival mode for another 10 minutes. That's not the way to get better at it. So break it down, figure out the goal pace. What can you hold that goal pace for? Stop, rest, recover, do it again. Stop, rest, recover, do it again. Mm, love that. Okay, cool. We've got two more questions. Uh, we have the opportunity to buy another box. The problem is that the current owner has multiple classes, CrossFit, yoga, gymnastics, weightlifting, endurance. The problem here is that we only want to do CrossFit classes. How can we, uh, how can we make the impact smaller on the old members? And again, how can we educate the community towards the CrossFit approach? Okay. Mr. Functional Branding. Mm -hmm. This is a good question. This is, you probably get this question a lot. I'd love yeah. to hear your take on this. Um, 
I, I actually, one of the things I think about is what is in a previous episode, we talked about when you come in, when a new owner comes in, like mm-hmm. that's your biggest opportunity to make the change. And so that would be the same thing as uh, assuming it's not too late to kind of take this opportunity. When, if I knew somebody was going in and they're going to buy the gym and okay, we want to do all these changes. I would, I would pick the date and I would say, I would, I would, I would have a uh, meeting, I'd film it, I'd write it, I'd make sure everybody understood why we were doing this. So that's the first thing is take the opportunity of new ownership to make a big, really big change and recognize that some people are going to be bummed, but probably not that bummed. They'll make more noise uh, initially than they probably really care about. So that, that on that end, I would, I would do that. I think I'm interested in your answer to the, how do we start to educate the members on why we're doing this? That I can, I have opinions, of course, Mm -hmm. but you obviously have been in that position before, but on a brand perspective, I would say that that's the time to do it. Yeah. I love that is new owners. As you, as you say, paint the wall, (laughs) paint the wall, let them know new things, new things are here. Um, and then for everything after that, obviously you're, you're better to, to answer the question about how do we actually communicate the reasons why, not just what we're doing, but the reasons why. Well, I love, I, what I loved in your answer there was, um, you laid out some of the how to communicate, which was have a meeting, film it, write it. So what you're saying is don't just, um, post that set the new schedule, which is what I think a lot of affiliate owners might do is like, here's the new schedule and there's all just CrossFit classes. And now people are up in arms. Yeah. Those are, that's, you know, it's funny because it's like, you didn't make that promise. You didn't make the promise that the old owners did that you get to do weightlifting and, but you still get to break the promise. Yeah. You're you're, still the person who's there to break it. So you have to, you want to break it, but you've got to recognize that that's what you're doing. You are breaking a promise. And so there are ways to break promises more effectively than not. Yeah. And then for the, the, the why, like, why are you choosing to do CrossFit instead of all these other things? Um, that's going to be unique to each this person. Mm. Um, so I can give some of some of the reasons why somebody might do that, which is we don't want to have a fragmented community. Yeah. We want everyone together doing the same thing. We want this shared suffering that will pull people together. We want this. We're creating a family, a family that does things together. Mm-hmm. If we have a family and Susie's playing soccer and Billy's playing lacrosse and uh, Johnny's making music all at the same time, we never see each other. Yeah. So what we want to do is find something that we all can do together. So that's one reason. Yeah. Next one is we believe in it. Yeah. We believe this is the greatest path to health, fitness, and performance that's ever been created. Another is that uh, simplicity. Like I get, we, we want to create world-class coaching. It's very hard to get world-class coaching across five different modalities. We want to do it in one. Another is, and so on. you just kind of like, what is it for you the way that you want to talk about in the way it's like us as owners got you do what you're passionate your yeah. thing you like you should be the top customer of your own business mm-hmm. we were just talking about this yeah. before we started recording you have to be a customer of your business and if <clears throat> you have powerlifting and kettlebell club and running and endurance and spin class but you only do crossfit you're mm-hmm. that's you're not a you're not a yeah you're not a a customer of your business. You should be doing the whole yeah. deal. I don't think any chef would open a restaurant and make food that they didn't themselves right. enjoy making and eating. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I think the other thing, I, I think that, you know, what you kind of embedded in, in what you were saying to, to work really hard to figure out is to how to communicate it, not so that it's about you as the owner, 
but communicate why we're making these changes for the membership. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and you, again, you alluded to it with like, we believe CrossFit is the most effective means, blah, 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 blah. That that's starting to put them in, uh, putting them in the seat of kind of the hero, right? If you talk about that, right. that hero's journey, uh, we want to, we believe that this is the best way to get you from where you are today to where you want to go and not, oh, we just really love CrossFit. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, right. that's not about, that's about you. It doesn't right. really at the end of the day matter to them if you just really love CrossFit. So you've got to be able to articulate why this thing can, this one thing can do the job that six things were apparently doing before that. So that's the other thing. All right. Last question we've got. Ben, you've spoken about, you've spoken before about the development of young athletes and the benefits of diversity in sport exposure and not being too sport specific too early. Generally speaking, athletes have a shelf life for performance. Again, generally speaking, do you think that per, by pursuing the elite level earlier, athletes like Paige Powers, Mal, Mal O'Brien, or Emma Carey have extended their potential shelf life? Or do you think that the early start may lead to an early decline in performance? Okay. So I'll answer that First question, they go back a little bit. I believe that they've extended it. Mm -hmm. So yes, they are um, <clears throat> amongst the top 20 in the world as teenagers. Yep. So to me, I don't think that that means like, I don't think that there's a six-year competitive window and now they're going to be gone when they're 24. Right. Like no matter when you start that six years. Yeah, exactly. I believe that it's still the same thing that they you can be competitive until your very early 30s. 31, 32, people are super competitive. 34 is definitely where the drop happens. 35 is really hard to be there. Okay, so that's the first one. The second one is, I think, just a um, a misunderstanding of what I mean by diversifying sports at a young age. Yep. When you're 14, 15, 16, I'm okay for you to start mm, going focusing. towards your thing. Yep. But Mal O'Brien was a competitive gymnast before she was a CrossFitter. She wasn't a competitive CrossFitter mm. before she was a CrossFitter. So what I'm saying is don't go at age four mm. towards your thing. What I'm saying is have the repertoire in your early developmental years. After you cross puberty, yeah, it, 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 you have a hard time cracking into the NHL if you're only playing hockey uh, your, you know, in the winter season yeah. of your senior year of high school. Yeah. You got to like that. There's a time to specify that time is not at age seven. Mm. At age seven, you should be playing basketball and soccer and swimming and gymnastics and getting some exposure to weightlifting and CrossFit and running track and cross country. And that's where you want to get as much exposure as you can. And then think of it like the pyramid yep. as you get closer and closer towards 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Mm -hmm. By 18, if you want to crack in the top echelons, you are... Everyone knows that you have to already be yeah. a sports specific athlete by that time, unless you're Bo Jackson. Right. Do you think that the the question or the question mark on this, at least for this sport, is that the sport is relatively young enough that, like, for many years, they're, they're, you're great. You're a great CrossFitter, but it wasn't around at 18, so that mm -hmm. wasn't a choice. And so all these athletes just kind of, oh, you're just really good at CrossFit now, and you're 26, right? And so there's this misunderstanding of what it usually looks like for a sport that is more mature. I think the misunderstanding is when people hear the word range mm -hmm. in terms of athletic performance, they don't understand the age group that that needs to happen in. Yeah. And to your point, people could be very successful following other sports 
like when we first got into this in 2008, you, you could find this sport from any other sport, whether it's, you know, like Rich Froning, like found it through baseball and within two years was winning the games. Mm Mm-hmm. No one's really doing that now. Yeah. At age, whatever he was, 21, yeah. 20 something, right. right? So no one's really doing that now. You have to have, um, you know, kind of the three, five year experience of, of CrossFit. I'm going to guess that that's going to extend even farther. Um, but my contention to kind of the answer to this question is um, have your range, have your wide variety of sports that you participate in up until about puberty Mm -hmm. and then at puberty you can try to figure out what that actual thing should be awesome love that thank you everybody out there for sending us great questions if you want to get a question into the queue you can find me on instagram ps cummings drop me a dm i'll add it to our list we'll get to it in a future episode thank you for listening thank you for your ratings and your reviews ben and i will be back next week for another episode of chasing excellence You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.